Welcome to the Elevate Her podcast. I am your host, Liana Salazar. And I'm your co-host, Elida Ojeda. We'd like to first start off by thanking you all for the outpouring of love and support on our first episode. It truly means a lot to us. So let's get started on our second episode. It's you, me, and the big C. So Liana, let's talk about your battle with cancer. So let's go back to 1997. Share with us what happened, how you found out, your journey. Yeah, so you know me, I'm very long-winded, so my story can go on and on. So (laughs) I will try to be... I want to give as much detail just for anybody that may be experiencing this or know someone that is um, just, just, you know, set the stage. But I was um, 17 years old and I remember I had been experiencing um, a lot of abdominal pain and it was only in the evening. It would just come at night. I would be in pain for hours and then in the morning I'd be fine, like nothing happened. So I went to the doctor and I, um, they did an ultrasound and they thought that I had a cyst on my ovary. So they gave me some medication. They told me to take it for a month and then, or take it for two weeks and then come back in a month to redo the ultrasound. Well, within that time, I had been going to church and every time I would go to church, it was always scriptures or sermons on God's healing and God's mercy and things like that. At the time, I I truly didn't think it was anything about myself because I thought, oh, it's just a cyst. It's not a big deal. So I thought that one of my family members, something was going to be, you know, medically wrong with one of them. And like, I was going to have to be their rock. So I didn't really put too much thought into it other than, you know, gaining that all the knowledge I could to help support whoever in my family was going to need it. So fast forward, I go back to the doctor for another ultrasound. And as they do the ultrasound, they realize that the cyst has grown. And so now they're concerned and they want to do a laparoscopy surgery, which they just go in through your belly button with the scope and then drain the cyst. Mm. So I set the appointment. I go to the appointment. It's supposed to be outpatient surgery in and out within four hours and back to work the next day. However, when I woke up, I woke up and it was like 12 hours later. I had my mom on one side, my dad on the other. And anybody that know my parents knew that they hated each other. Yeah. So there had to have been something <laughs> terribly wrong. I thought I was dying. Were your, were your parents there when you went for the um, supposedly outpatient surgery? Yeah. So my mom had taken me um, because we were like, oh, it's a girly thing. Yeah. Like my mom had taken me. And when they went in laparoscopy, they couldn't find any of my organs. They had said that they didn't know what was going on. They feared that it could be cancer. So they went out, they talked to my mom, they asked my mom what she wanted them to do. Mm -hmm. And my mom was like, what would you do if she was your daughter? And they said, we would open her up. And the the options were, they let me come to and let me make the decision. Mm -hmm. But because of them not knowing, like they couldn't find any of my organs, not knowing what was going on and the Mm -hmm. fear of it being cancer, they were like, if we bring, wake her up, then we're gonna have to wait two weeks before we could put her back under again. Wow. So we need the we, risk factor. Yeah. 
So then my mom was like, do whatever you would do if she was your daughter. And they said we would open her up. So she said, then open her up. So it was like waking up and my entire life changing. Like literally, I woke up and I'm still in the hospital room. And the doctor happened to walk in shortly after I woke up, before my parents could even say anything really. And he sat next to me and he said, have your parents told you? And I said, no, I no." And he said, we, I, I regret to inform you that you have stage three of ovarian cancer. Wow. And he proceeded to tell me that there's only four stages, that it had already grown onto my liver. So they scraped off as much as they could, but they couldn't get it all. Mm-hmm. And that they had to do a complete hysterectomy, which meant no more kids. Mm-hmm. Um, they told me that I would have to do an aggressive amount of chemo, which equates to obviously losing all of my hair. Um, and that I had a 7% chance of living in the next six months so that I should start getting my stuff in order. That's crazy. And all of this at age 18. Yes. Wow. Yeah. It was like literally waking up in my entire life changing. And I thought to myself, you got the wrong patient. (laughs) Like I came in for an outpatient (laughs) surgery. What are you talking about? You know? Yeah. But I'm going to rewind back again to church and the sermons and the preachings and everything that I was hearing in that moment, I I can't explain it. I heard God tell me, this is what I have prepared you for. And in that moment, a sudden peace just came over me. And I said, okay, what's next? And my parents looked at me and they're like, are you hearing what the doctor's saying? Like you're in denial. denial yeah. And I'm like, I'm not in denial. The time that, the moment that I cried and that I was just like, oh my gosh, was when they told me I couldn't have kids. Mm-hmm. That's when I was like, I wanted more, right. you know? So anyway. Um, let, me, let, me ask yeah. you, let me ask you this though. You had a two-year-old son. Mm-hmm. At what point did that fear of him not having a mother cross your mind? Oh my did gosh. It, did it... I mean, did you think about it after the doctor told you you're going to die? Oh, absolutely. That's the first thing I thought of. The very first thing I thought of because my son already didn't have his dad. And so all I could think about was if I die, my son's too. He's not going to remember me. They're so young at that age. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. And, and believe it or not, my parents were sitting there fighting over who was going to get my son. <laughs> I'm like, guys, guess what? I, I'm still here. I'm wow. not, I'm not dead and I'm not going to die. Like I'm going to fight this. Like neither one of you are getting my son. I am, <laughs> I'm keeping him. I'm raising him, you know, but yes, it, so much fear. I mean, throughout all of it, so much fear of just, am I going to be able to see my son graduate? Am I going to see him get married? Am I going to see him have kids? Like all of that, right? Like it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, and here I am. I know. So I'm graduating. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Um, so let's go back. Uh, you were saying your parents were fighting over Isaiah. Mm -hmm. So what happened shortly after that? So after this, I was there for 10 days in the hospital and my dad literally never left the hospital. He ate there. He slept there. He showered there. Um, there was one night that I remember it was the middle of the night. I had woken up and he was, he had a cot 
that he would sleep in over in the corner. And I remember laying there and I rolled over and I saw him. He was up. He was on his knees. He had the Bible open. Sorry. That's okay. He had the Bible open and he had his hands raised and he was praying and he was begging God to take it from me and to give it to him. He was just, I could, I could feel and hear just the pain in his, in his voice and, and through the tears. And to this day, he never knew that I saw that. But as he was praying for me, I was praying for him that God would just comfort him and help him. Cause I, I couldn't even imagine seeing my child go through that. So it was really, really emotional. Um, but after 10 days in the hospital, I was released and started chemo right away. They did an aggressive amount. I had to do five hours of chemo um, after the very first cycle. It was probably a week later. I was in the shower and I was washing my hair. And like most people with hair, they go to wring it out. And when I did that, I just had globs of hair in my hand. And I remember just falling in the shower and screaming and crying and my dad ran in there, clothes and all, and just jumped in the shower and was just holding me. And I just remember asking him, like, what have I done so wrong in this life that I have to go through this, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm 18 and my friends are all beautiful. They have long, beautiful hair, they're healthy, and there I am about to lose all my hair and be. I'm a cancer patient, you know, not knowing if I'm gonna live or not. Yeah. So that was that, Um, but during all of that, um, I was going to church um, as I was even before, and there was one service in particular where there was a guest speaker. I have never seen him, he's never seen me, and he, in the middle of a sermon, just stopped, and he said, there is a young lady here, you're battling cancer, I don't know who you are, but if you believe that God can heal you, I want you to run up here. Girl, (laughs) I ran. I mean, smoke probably came out of my feet. I ran so fast. I'm like, I want to be healed. I want to live. I want to watch my son, you know, grow up. And so I go up there and he um, asked me if I believed that God could heal me. And I said, yes. And he started, he put his hands on me and started praying for me. And when he did, I just remember feeling this warmth go through my body from the top of my head all the way through to the soles of my feet. And I just remember crying and he asked me, do you believe that you're healed? And I said, I do. And he said, you're healed. Like, I believe that God did a miracle right right now. You were in that church service. You don't remember that? I do, but I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah, you were there. I was there. I remember I I didn't know you then. I didn't know who you were, but I definitely felt that healing. Yeah. I think you even wrote, I think you shared with me one time that you even wrote in your diary something about, yeah. or in your journal, something about. I did. I, I used to keep a journal with just experiences and whatnot. And I was like, oh, there's this girl named Tiki that we prayed for or whatever and she has cancer and I think God healed her. Yeah. For those of you that don't know, my nickname is Tiki. 
Oh. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. No, I remember. I do remember that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so fast forward, lots of prayers, lots of fasting. Uh, my dad's um, workers actually um, hired, because with chemo, like you have to be very careful with like what you eat. So, you know, a lot of people get sick and you just, they were like cautioned me to really watch my diet in order to like try and help as much as I yeah. could with that part. And they all chipped in and they um, ordered me like a delivery, like a very healthy food so that I would get food delivered to me, um, healthy food. And so fast That's forward, awesome. I did the chemo for six months and then they wanted to do an exploratory surgery. Um, so they did the exploratory surgery and this was supposed to just basically tell them if they were able to get whatever was mm -hmm. left of the cancer cells. And when I woke up, my dad was sitting next to me in the recovery room and I was still really, really groggy. But when I opened my eyes, he said, did the doctors tell you? And I was like half out of it. But I remember he was crying and I was like, doggone it. It didn't <laughs> work. It. This is it. I'm, this is it. Like it didn't work. Right. Yeah. Just in the humanness of, yeah. of being human. And, um, I said, no. And he said, that you're healed. There's no cancer cells found. You're, you're done. This is it. It's over. You beat it. And <laughs> I just remember being like, thank you, Jesus, like, and crying. And then they willed me into the room, which is when you and I had our first encounter. Oh, was that, was that, that was, it? Yep. Okay. Then you came in and to visit me. And we, like you said, we didn't really know each other. We had never really talked to each other at church. But I remember you were there and you had asked, do you need anything? And I was like, can I have some ice chips? Because my mouth was so, so dry. Yeah. And I remember you fed me ice chips. Yeah. And that's I how do. we met. That's how we became friends, yep. actually. We sure did. So, so, yeah. So then they, ironically, they put a port in me during that surgery and the doctor came in and explained, you know, there's no cancer cells found. We don't know what you've done. We don't know. And me being me, I was like, <laughs> I know his name is Jesus. He <laughs> held me. That's exactly what happened. Um, but they did tell me they wanted me to do an aggressive amount of chemo, but even more aggressive than my first mm -hmm. round. One where it would be 24 hours straight, me being in the That's hospital crazy. overnight. And I refused it. I said, no, I'm not doing anymore. I barely started getting my hair back because I had to stop chemo for, I think it was like a month before they could do surgery again. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, I, I have little specks in my hair. <laughs> like, I don't want to. So, but I remember the wigs. Oh my gosh. I remember. So I had like a few strands of hair left and I remember I, my dad's like, it's, it's time, honey. Just let's just shave it. Like it's, <laughs> You have like a few little strands here and there underneath the wig. And so I shaved the rest of my hair off and my dad shaved his yeah. and then he shaved Isaiah's. Yeah. He's like, we're all in this together. But I mean, behind the scenes, you know, all the sleepless nights and the fear and just laying awake at night, you know, there's so much to it other than, you know, you see the miracle and all of that, but the trauma, the you know, PTSD from it all, the, it's, it's a lot and it's very hard. And so, well, yeah. Cause, um, 
it's one thing to believe or to have faith, but there's still that human part yeah. of it where, but what if? Right. And it's almost like, you know, when, when you are a believer and you know, and you believe in heaven and you believe that, you know, to be absent in the body is to be present with Christ. It That's fine and dandy. But in the moment when you have a two-year-old son that you... Well, when you're face, you're literally facing yes. death. It's like, staring that's, at it. yeah, you're like, that's fine. And that's great. And I know that it'll be beautiful in heaven, but I want to be present with my son right now. I want to watch all these things. You know, mm-hmm. I want to see him grow and, and all the things we've mentioned before. But yeah, it's, there's so much, there's so much. And, you know, without all the nitty gritty details, it's, yeah, it's a lot. But so fast forward, we're here and I am still cancer free. Thank God we've had a few little scares, scares yeah. right? Where we've had a, they thought they saw something and whatnot, but how I many, mean, how many years has it been? It'll be 25 years on April, April 16th, uh-huh. 25 years. And we celebrate and we go big every yeah. year. It's a big deal. And I will continue to, because I mean, I am so grateful and I mean, to face death and to, to definitely like to face death head on you it's you can't explain it and that's why every day i i don't take it for granted i i appreciate every single day and so um you know reason why we got emotional about your dad was because he's moved on mm-hmm. since moved on but um you've watched isaiah grow up mm-hmm. and now watching him have his first child. Yeah. So it's really exciting. Yes. It's things that I didn't think I was going to get to see. And people are like, oh, that's exciting. Like, you're really making it a big deal. And you, I'm like, you have no idea. <laughs> like, like, I didn't think I was going to see this day. Right. I did not think I would ever see him graduate high school or go to college and, you know, have a baby. And now that my granddaughter is going to be born here next week, it's like, yeah, I'm over the moon. I, I'm, yeah. Rightly so. Yeah. Well, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about, you mentioned that you had a hysterectomy. Yes. So let's fast forward. Obviously we did. Um, how do you feel not being able to have children? I mean, it seems like, I don't know, feels like that was taken from you. Like, it, it's not like it was, hey, can we everything happened so quickly. You were 18 and yeah, I didn't have a say. I didn't didn't get to say. say. Yeah. Um, I mean, devastated. I wanted at least four kids. I'm thankful that I have my son. And to talk a little bit about that, I was 15 when I got pregnant with him. Right. And Mm -hmm. we wore protection and I still ended up pregnant. And in that moment I was like, how could this be? I did everything right to avoid this. Yeah, look and, at this mistake or right, whatever. Right, And then when I find out, you know, and then you all, people always say, like, you'll know the reason why in due time, mm-hmm. in due season, right? And so I was always like, it's a miracle regardless, and I'm so thankful, and I've, I'm going to care for this child, and I'm going to love him, and I'm going to give him my all, even as a teenager. Um, my life's going to completely change. Mm-hmm. All of the hopes and dreams and plans that I had are now going to have to just be adjusted and change. Um, so when all that happened and I woke up and they told me that I had a hysterectomy, in that moment, 
I was like, this is why I had my son. So for me, I, I count my blessings because I'm sure there's many women out there that can't have any at all. Right. And so it, while yes, it is devastating and it hurt, I had to grow to accept it because I don't really have a choice. Right. Um, but I am very grateful that I have my baby. And I think that's why him and I are so close and mm-hmm. why I probably hold on a little longer than I should. He's 27 <laughs> and I'm still like, where are you at? What are you doing? You know, <laughs> but there's a reason like I don't want to let go, you know? Yeah, that's understandable. Yeah. Um, did you ever think about adopting? I did. I did. I, the reason I never fully researched it and did it is because I didn't want to be a single mom again. Well, yeah. And, you yeah, know, like yeah. I had to raise Isaiah. Thank oh, God yeah. I had my yeah. dad. Um, but it, it was hard. It was really yeah. hard, especially as a teenager. Yeah. And I just didn't want, yeah, I just felt like, I don't know. Could I have given the child a good home? Of course I could have, but it was rough. You know, it was a struggle financially, emotionally, in every way, yeah. you know. So I did, but it just wasn't in the cards for me. What else would you like to share? Hmm. I mean, I think just encouraging anybody that might be going through cancer or know someone that is, encouraging them to just, you know, be supportive, be in their corner, whatever they need. Um, I know there are lots of support centers out there. Yeah, did you ever join any of those? I didn't. I know my dad did. He joined a few, like, as to be supportive, you Uh know, like, how, what does that look like? But I feel like I had such an amazing support system. And, I mean, all the people in church and my family and I had my grandma, my aunt, all of them came down um, from California and stayed with us and helped us with Isaiah and with the cleaning and the cooking. And I mean, I had such an amazing support group that, I mean, my dad alone was my uh, my rock. Like Mm -hmm. God, through every chemo session, he was there, sat there for the full, you know, five hours, making us all laugh, telling jokes, (laughs) being the jokester that he was like, Heck, people in there were like, when, when is your next appointment? Like, they couldn't <laughs> wait for my dad to come back. And I'm like, you know, but yeah. So just really to just encourage people. Like, that's what Elevate Her is all about, mm-hmm. right? It's just elevating other women and supporting them. And, you know, if there is someone that is going through it or is mourning the loss of someone, maybe they lost a cancer, like, reach out. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Sadly, there's one too many of us that have had yes. loved ones. Um move on or pass yeah because of cancer right so yeah just you know I believe in miracles and I say fight give it your all and when it's our time there's really nothing we can do but just yeah keep fighting and keep hoping and keep believing and we're here if you need anything Ovarian cancer is known as a silent killer. Please know the signs and symptoms of ovarian cancer as they may include abdominal bloating or swelling, quickly feeling full when eating, weight loss, discomfort in the pelvic area, fatigue, back pain, changes in bowel habits such as constipation, and a frequent need to urinate.